getting ready for another episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I'm your host, Tammy Riley, and this coming week's episode is with my friend, Katherine Templeton, who has been such a mentor and guide over the past few years in both my education as a yogi, but also in my own self-care practices. So Catherine is here to blend her Eastern and Western philosophy. She is a psychotherapist and Ayurvedic practitioner and such a joy, her sense of humor. I'm so looking forward to sharing her with you. And I hope that you can find as well as I do some of her rich nuggets of wisdom to put in your toolbox so that you too can strive to go about it a little bit easier. So please stay tuned for Katherine Templeton in this coming week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to Living Well While Living Online. This is Tammy Riley speaking, and I'm so excited to share this week's guest, my mentor, role model, friend. I don't even know if there's enough adjectives to describe <laughs> Catherine Templeton, um, but I've known her for quite a while. Uh, she's had a really big impact on me um, in my career, in my yoga career, and where I've gone as a human and things that I think and how I feel. And I owe her so much gratitude. So I'm really excited to be able to share her. And so it's very interesting. And Catherine's going to introduce herself in a second, but she is really East meets West. She is a trained psychotherapist and has, you know, science and knowledge and is so well educated. And at the same time, uh, I'm not going to lie, she's a woo woo yogi, like in that way, like she's the best of both worlds. So uh, I find it so amazing because she has so many tools, but she's so approachable. So Catherine, thank you for joining us today. Oh, Tammy, thank you. It's such a delight <laughs> to be able to be here. I'm I'm so glad I'm still woohoo. I you know, every once in a while I I put on those cardigan sweaters and think, damn, I lost it. But no, it's all good. It's all good. I still have feather earrings. So you have uh, feather earrings, you have a neti pot, you have like your meditation cushions. <laughs> yeah, I got it all. I get it all. Got a therapist chair and I got a yoga mat. We're all good. Absolutely. Will you please give our listeners like a quick bio, a synopsis of just some, I mean, you have had a, a long career um, in doing amazing things. So whatever you feel that you want to share with us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so short isn't really in my repertoire, but I'm going to give that my best slide. So I can't barely say my name in less than five minutes. But um, <laughs> I have been working in the field of healthcare for over 30 years. Um, I came to New England for my supposedly six-month internship at the National Center for PTSD the, uh, at the VA hospital in New Haven, working with combat Vietnam veterans in the late 80s. Um, and then due to high burnout for myself and that work, where I was ended up being there for a lot longer, um, I started my own yoga practice and then got really curious about why I was feeling how I was feeling with my yoga. You know, how did it calm my nervous system? Why did I digest better? What happened when I didn't practice for a couple of months and all of a sudden got lots of mucus? I mean, these very pragmatic, not super spiritual, just, you know, physiological functions, psychological functions were changing because of yoga. And that led me to study Ayurvedic medicine. And Ayurveda is the medical science uh, indigenous to the continent of India, which is where uh, the philosophy of yoga was first practiced. So those two sciences, the science of yoga and the science of Ayurveda are called the sister sciences. 
and they inform each other. And those two working together create support so that we can live our lives with greater ease and steadiness, both in the physical body, in the psychological body, in our thinking body, in our energy or pranic body, as well as our relationship to divine consciousness, whatever word that works for you, God, Allah, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, it matters not what the word is. It's the concept of that greater good that shines through us all, that sense of love and compassion and so forth. So um, my work has been uh, since I started these practices over 20 blah, blah, blah years ago, uh, <laughs> has been to um, bring them to my, uh, my colleagues, to my clients. Uh, later, I started teaching academically in the university system and then started teaching for the Himalayan Institute and then Yoga International, bringing some of the psychology from the West into those Eastern communities. So that's been my work. And the goal is really just to be of use to people so that we can feel our, our reason for being here, a sense of meaning and feel greater ease and steadiness in our lives. Wow. That's so beautiful. And I love, um, you know, the yoga journal came from curiosity, which is different than most people who do look for a mm -hmm. spiritual connection or, um, I don't know, something yeah. maybe a little more out there, but you were coming from the science, right? I need to know yeah. why this is working. Like, tell yeah. me why. Yes. That's my <laughs> nature. I want it. My, my mantra is why, or I know this is one of my <laughs> big problems. So it's either why, or yeah, I know. Uh, so, you know, humility is something I constantly work on as well. Uh, and that I don't know a lot and it's okay not to know and uh, that sort of thing. So, um, when we say our nature or our tendency in Ayurvedic medicine, we're talking about these concepts called the doshas. And that's sort of the first thing people meet when they meet Ayurveda. And it's great to bring into psychotherapy because what we talk about then is that we're not broken. We're not somehow damaged goods, we're simply imbalanced in um, our true nature. And I just love that, um, that concept to share that with clients, because that is my experience. You know, we all go in and out of balance of our true nature. And whether it's Western, you know, cognitive therapy, um, psychopharmacology, whether it's breathing technique from yoga, meditation from yoga, or how to eat your foods with awareness, so they, they nourish you from Ayurveda, or daily routine from Ayurveda, it, it doesn't really matter which which doorway you step in, they will all eventually lead to the same place, which is feeling more steady and at ease within yourself. Mm. Which we all could use, all I mean, all the time, but especially right now. Um, I I know your background, right? I know I know you, and I know what you do. Um, you're similar similar schedule to me. We're like we're during the week, and we're teaching classes, and we're meeting with our clients or our people, and then on the weekend you dash off to these places to do trainings because right. you know you're doing a lot of teacher trainings and um, trainings within your Ayurvedic practice for for people and soon to be teachers and and teachers that are, you know, just looking to enhance what they're doing. And so when, when everything is sort of happened mid-March and life is shut down, now I know you, um, again, you're, you're like me, we're at the, we're kind of in the same era where we learn what we need to know online. We're kind of like, okay, we need to do this for, you know, our Institute or our education. I need to stay online with my community and we have our Facebook communities and 
but you're still a hands-on person. So in mm-hmm. mid-March, when everything started to happen, what was what was happening? What was changing and shifting in what you do and how you do it? Just, you know, just your daily life. How were things being affected? <laughs> Did a lot of dog walking. Uh, yeah. So um, thank God for my dogs. Uh, so there's a couple different facets, just like, like you're saying, Tammy, to the way I live my daily life. One is just pragmatically, you know, being, being a a 57 year old woman, uh, who has three grown children and two dogs. And how do I, you know, how do I manage just that part of my life? So staying connected to my kids was really important in March. They're all, they're all uh, grown. Youngest still lives with me, but he's, you know, he's a man, he's going to be 21 soon. Uh, and, uh, so just sort of reaching out as a mom and checking in with them, checking in with family. And uh, trying to be able to do that in a way that uh, supported their individuation and individuality, not not requiring them, in other words, to come home, although, boy, I sure would have liked that, um, but trying to find ways to calm myself so that I was able to be with them in a way that would be supportive to them, not just my own neediness of wanting them to be with me. And of course, that wasn't appropriate. Uh, as so, much as we want to, to command them home. That's right. I wanted to command all vehicles, you know, in the, in the, uh, the Akash, you know, the universe to bring them home. So, um, you know, really diving deep into um, my my prayer meditation was useful for me. And, and it was challenging because my nervous system, like so many of us, was so um, dysregulated from the um, intensity and the sudden, it doesn't seem sudden as you look back at it now, but it was fairly sudden that we were told to shelter in place or stay at home and how that really impacted the other parts of my life. So as you said, I have two main businesses, if you will. One is I have a clinical practice as a psychotherapist with individuals. That went online to telehealth. And that was fairly seamless, I have to say. Um, you know, it's the took me a couple of different couple of sessions with with certain clients to kind of help them to feel comfortable on telehealth but most of my clients easily transitioned to telehealth um, which was great so we could stay connected we didn't really have a lot of ruptures in in our um, con- continuity of treatment which was which was important and wonderful um, I missed seeing them in person I think they missed seeing another human in person so there's always that piece but we were able to connect uh, thank goodness through um, an encrypted software and that was wonderful but I couldn't travel and teach my programs and usually every other weekend I would go somewhere to teach um, either Ayurvedic yoga specialists or uh, the three wisdom traditions which is a wellness coaching program that I developed using yoga, Ayurveda, and psychology. So that was a big blow. And all those programs really required me to either demonstrate cooking or demonstrate a daily routine, asana, yoga asana practice, teaching breathing practices. So I've been, um, I had, I started fairly quickly within about, about 45 days filming. And luckily I have a lot of um, product, I guess, filmed on yogainternational.com, which is a website that carries um, um, many of my programs and many of my yoga asana and pranayama and educational classes. So I I started doing that. And slowly, just recently, actually, just last month, I started bringing my courses online. So I've been transitioning for quite a, quite a while with that um, for my business. Yeah. So that same shift that 
most of the world is doing, which, which I think, and, and again, it's easy for me to say, because I sit here and I know you and your background and we're so similar in so many ways. It's hard when you're a people person and like, Mm -hmm. even to do this, you and I want to sit next to each other in the same room with a cup of tea and, you know, we want to hash into it and feel right. Not just like have the conversation, but feel the conversation. Mm -hmm. And now when you're online, right, there's the energy is different, right? There's hardly any feeling it's you're doing. And now they're going to be absorbing your recordings, but there's no feeling. So how are you, I guess, coming to terms with that or, or dealing with that or shifting? Yeah. And it's different for different people. And again, Tammy, this is where Ayurveda is so helpful for me uh, as a therapist and as an educator, um, because I know that different uh, yogic tendencies need different things. So in in yoga and Ayurveda and and in psychology, you know, the sensory, the senses or tamatras is the Sanskrit, but the the sense organs, they're all um, uh, aligned with certain elements. So the sense of sound um, and and the ear itself is uh, elemental to what's called vata or vata, the air. And so lucky for us, um, auditory learners do great on things like podcasts. And then with things like Zoom, our visual, the alokachapitta, which is the, the subdosha um, of fire, for those of you who've just turned off the recording, it's uh, it's not <laughs> as blacked out as you think. There's an actual science, but you got to you know listen to Ayurvedic Abby and she'll tell you all about it. That's my other moniker. Um, so, but uh, but the fire in us, like the, like when you say to somebody, "Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I see it." Right? That idea of seeing something is our intelligence, our intellect. Um, integrating that in our mind. And that's and in Ayurvedic medicine, we call that, that's the fire within us. And so visual learners, like on Zoom, they can see us. So, so visual and auditory learners uh, uh, are okay on something like a Zoom or a podcast with maybe some, you know, looking at some pictures, I don't know, looking at something beautiful. But it's the kinesthetic learner. It's the, the part mm-hmm. of us, the movers, those of us that need to move to learn we're the ones that kind of have trouble, right? So, I mean, I'm thinking about this with your Quinnipiac audience, but, you know, with your college student audiences, you know, you, you're the ones that like when you're sitting in class, you're tapping your fingers, you're twirling your hair, you're chewing your gum, you're moving your feet, right? And, and actually you do better, you would do, you would do well to study while walking. You would do well to study while you know, stretching while you're listening to the, while you're reading through your notes, like moving for you helps your, your mind integrate. So for those individuals, I feel that um, what's happened in the quarantine has been particularly challenging because sitting and listening or sitting and watching is really hard for them. And they, they can't capture the information uh, and hold it. So for those folks, what I do is I tell them, you know, while we're in session, we do, we breathe, we do our breathing practices in session, um, in our psychotherapy sessions with my students online, we get up, we stretch, you know, we're those weird people in front of your computers that are forward folding <laughs> and so they're like, oh God, they're with the Ayurveda. Um, and, <laughs> and for myself, what I have to do, I'm, I'm not particularly a kinesthetic learner. I'm much more of an auditory learner. So wow. Yeah, lucky me, right? So, but um, <laughs> but I like to move, and I, you know, and and it's it's very healthy for me to move because it gets me out of being so myopic. 
I tend to get mm. hyper focused and really myopic and I forget to eat because I get really excited about something and I lose relationships because I don't talk to people because I just get in it to win it. Like, you know, like I'm not going to name any names like Tammy Riley, but anyhow, so that happens. <laughs> right. And so, and so I get inflammation and things from that. So, so what I do personally to help myself learn or be able to, to navigate all this sort of um, what I call the trauma of the quarantine, that's a, a maybe another discussion, but is I use my daily routine to really help me. So in the morning, I really, yeah. I do my exercises or I walk my dogs bigger, you know, they're vigorous walkers. They, you know, they aren't particularly well-trained. So I go for a walk with them and, uh, and I do my breathing techniques and I use the medicine that I know of yoga and Ayurveda to help me navigate my nervous system so that I don't get in hyper arousal, you know, super overstimulated. And I don't get in the opposite effect, which happens to so many of us in this quarantine, which is I go into almost like a stagnant state, mm. you know, where I just sit and hours pass. And what have I done? You know, I've looked at some stupid YouTube things or I've, you know, watch the grass grow or something ridiculous because I just get immobilized. Right. Yeah, I think so many people, you're describing that roller coaster of, yep. you know, the high stimuli, almost manicness of it. And then the stagnation of, oh my gosh, it's already lunchtime. I'm still in my pajamas and I haven't even moved from, you know, this spot on the, on the floor or on the couch. Right. And, and we see that in trauma. So it's for me, you know, in trauma response, oftentimes we see this dysregulated nervous system, right? Where people go into hyper arousal because they're triggered. And the, the word trigger means that you, you go out of your window of tolerance or you start to get into fight, flight, or freeze mode, either because you smell something that reminds you of something, or you see something, or you hear something, or a memory comes to you. And, and so you get into this heightened state of awareness. The adrenals might even kick in and everything's on, you know, everything's green light go. And you're having this big reaction, not a response to something. And then after after a few moments, maybe even, everything starts to settle. Time goes back to its regular movement. And then we have our bodies bathed in what's called cortisol, this sort of, you know, um, almost like the rust of the body. It, it, it degrades our uh, immunity and some structures in our body. And we see then over the course of time, people start to go into this kind of stagnant and somewhat depressed state. So we, we mm -hmm. balance between these two states oftentimes, and that's what we call dysregulated, right? Mm -hmm. And some of us stay more in this fight flight state, like this vata pitta imbalance, we'd say in Ayurveda, because we're, we have more of those qualities and other of us, others of us might spend more time in this somewhat depressed, dense, heavy state because of the kappa or because we're exhausted from the mm. back and forth. Right. Yeah. So we see that sure. in trauma and we're seeing it in the quarantine. We're seeing it in the pandemic with people because of all these catastrophic cultural shifts that are happening so quickly, the social change, the virus itself, economic change. And, you know, we're, we're dysregulated. We're trying to find our footing again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh my goodness. And it's so interesting, right? So we feel it, you know, as, as a human, we all feel this, but it's really nice to, you know, hear the science behind what's happening. And so we can maybe understand ourselves a little bit better, which was secretly one of my reasons for wanting to have you. But, but I have to say that I'm so 
interested in curious right now. So you know the science, you've approached from that curiosity, you've seen how it works. This is what you do day in and day out. You treat people, you are a caregiver, like a hundred percent of the time. I asked you something, I don't even remember what it was a few minutes ago. The first thing you said was about being a mom, right? You're always a caregiver. So Mm -hmm. now I need you to kind of flip your lens on yourself and to think, Mm. are you good I know you said you went to your routine, which is awesome, but are you good at taking these these activities, these exercises, these routines that really work and prescribing them for yourself and taking your own medicine? Oh God, of course not. Come on. I'm human. <laughs> You're kidding me. Oh my Lord. No, I'm terrible at it. Uh, so, you know, but, but what do you do? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be honest. But, I mean, but the, the reality is that a lot of my life, uh, like like all of us is habit, right? So here's the reality. We're all an amalgam of our daily habits. You know, if I get up every morning with a scotch and a cigarette, my day is going to go a certain way, right? <laughs> if I get up, I mean, right? If I get up yeah. in the morning and I, and I offer gratitude to the sun for shining today and I do some breathing technique and I scrape my tongue and brush my teeth, my day is going to go a certain way. I mean, I'm not saying it's all roses, but I am saying that you're going to be having a different experience depending on what your daily habits are. Mm, so going to yeah. bed at, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I know all the college students have now turned this off, but you know, going to bed <laughs> at 10 or 11 o'clock PM, right? Not AM. And then getting up with the sun. So now we've lost the rest of the audience, but you know, getting up <laughs> with the sun, that, that circadian um, anchor, if you will, like so, we're anchoring in with our own circadian rhythms. We're anchoring in with nature herself through the sun and the moon. That right there is going to stabilize so many of us. So, mm. my, I I I suck at using my own medicine, just to use a clinical term, right? I I wish I was better <laughs> at it. However, I'm just so habitualized because I've been in this routine more or less for so many years. Even when I go out of routine, it's not that far out because you see, I've just done this so often, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have a scotch and a cigarette when I get up. I, it's not that I couldn't. I mean, I can afford to buy those two things and I'm not opposed to either of those things like in the universe. I mean, I don't think they're the root of all evil. I don't think they help a lot of us, but you know. But I'm. But my point is that, you know, if I were to do that one morning and then the other six mornings that week use my regular routine, I wouldn't be super dysregulated. You know, I'd have a little what we call vritti or wave of dysregulation. However, if I were to continue doing that once a week for weeks on end, I would have created a new habit. Right. So in Ayurveda, yoga, and in Western psychology, we all have the same belief. We just use different language around it. Right, Sanskrit in 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 the Indian medicine, you know, um, uh, American. I no longer call it English, so it's American. <laughs> you know, my British friends do disagree with what I call English, but you know, when when we um, when when we take an action, and the word in Sanskrit is karma. So when we when we create an action, and the action, let's say, is getting up at dawn or getting up with the sun, that action creates a tendency. And if there's a positive reward at the end of that tendency, like I have a better day, I have more energy, I get more things done, whatever it is that I consider a reward, 
Uh, maybe I give myself a mocha latte because I got up early. I get to make one of those. That would be a big reward for Catherine. So, you know, if I do one of those things, then it's going to create what's called a samskara or a groove, right? It's going to create a, a lay down a path. And in Western psychiatry, we call that a neural pathway. It's going to start creating a certain type of uh, action, habitual action. If I do that, with repetition over time, I create a habit and therein becomes my life. My life is a series of habits, right? That's what life is. Yeah. I love that because um, I've been saying, you know, it, intuitively when everything happened, you know, I guess I guess we have a choice at that point and we really didn't know when we're shutting down for a couple weeks and observing and seeing what's happening, I instantly knew that I had to stick with my morning routine of getting up early and doing my morning exercise, whatever that meant, and going to bed at a certain time. And looking back, you know, when I had to look back now, don't get me wrong, there were crazy days and roller coaster days. But in general, that routine is what saved me. Like I know it was. Um, and so I just am thankful right now to hear kind of the the reasons why for me that was a little bit easier. Because sometimes, you know, you think, oh, maybe you do really, maybe I do practice what I preach. Maybe I do. But I wasn't really listening at that moment. I was just acting and surviving. And my survival yeah. instincts were my habit. So- yeah. 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 So thank you for explaining yeah. that for us, because if, if others have done the same, now they know why that they, their bodies were acting in, you know, a really smart way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, well, and it's like anything, you know, I, I tell, I tell a lot of times I work with younger women, you know, younger would be 40, but you know, I work with younger women, you know, in their, in their teens through, through their mid forties. And I say to all, all the, the gals I work with, I'm like, listen, if you want to have a great menopause, start planning at age 35. All right. Mm -hmm. So note yourself for next lifetime. Why? Because, because the habits that you engage in from 35 toward when you hit perimenopause will dictate by and large, of course, there's pathogens and there's, there's traumas to the body that could happen, but by and large, it will dictate the type of menopause you're going to have because because of the diet and lifestyle and the uh, awareness you've had, and this is where spirituality comes in, um, between 35 and let's say 50 is, is your habitual action and your, and your habits will just take over your strongest habits, the most deeply set habits, right? That's what will take over. That's why when you go home for Thanksgiving, it's your house, maybe not you, Tammy, but you know. Many of us go home for Thanksgiving to our parents, right? And all of a sudden we're with our brothers and sisters and our cousins and we get in the same fights we got with them when we were seven, right? Or, you know, <laughs> yes. or, or, you know, wacky uncle, whoever is like still wacky uncle, whoever, and pushes all our buttons. And we're like, I don't know why I get so mad. And your partner's like, I loved you till we came to this meeting. And now you're a different you, right? And that's <laughs> You're, you, you go to your strongest habits, which are the most deeply set. And so that's why, you know, in psychotherapy, we're often exploring what are the roots of those habitual actions? What are the thoughts, feelings, and actions that have come together that have created your natural reactivity, right? And in psychiatry, we're always trying to detach the body uh, and mind so they don't become so reactive, and help them be more attached to being responsive hmm. so that we can be mindful. And that's where all this mindfulness work comes into play, right? 
so that you have like a buffer. All you need is a few second buffer between crazy uncle Joe's obnoxious joke and you're, and you're feeling it before you react. If you have a few seconds before you can, can engage with him, when you have those feelings, instead of reacting, you'll respond and responding means you're constantly aware. You're pulled out of that habitual action for just a micro moment or two. That's all you need. Same with decisions about what you eat, who you hang out with, what you read, what you, you know, if you pray or not, or whatever, you know, whatever your spirit, you know, commune with nature. You just need a few moments, a buffer, a little bit of buffer. I love that. Mm. Yeah. So important. Right. And that's what I say, like creating an opportunity for space just to re- just to create some space so you can be removed before you're like, you're saying the reaction um, right. and, and being being mindful. Like, gosh, it, it doesn't take a whole lot for us to really just think about what's happening um, in the present moment and where we're going and being more intentional. You've hit on like some of all of my favorite words that we've been using a lot um, as we've been yeah. podcasting over the last few weeks. But yeah. I think, you know, we we just need to keep hearing them over and over and, yeah. and hearing it and reminding ourselves. And again, that that is part of the practice and the habit. Um, I think we can rationally know, but but it is hard in that moment to, to, to put it into play. So, well, and yeah. you know, but that's why, you know, you and I've talked about this many times before, which is that's why creating a daily habit pattern, it doesn't be long, like 15 minutes in the morning and, you know, maybe a few, maybe five minutes in the afternoon and 15 minutes in the evening of just some regularizing, nourishing, supportive behavior do it before you get in these traumatic experiences. Let let that become your daily experience. So then when you do get into situations like crazy Uncle Joe, you know, pushing your buttons or something more catastrophic like the pandemic, then mm. you aren't going to you aren't going to feel so lost and adrift. You will right. feel a little bit adrift because, you know, all of your handholds that are outside of your home, you're restricted from. Or you can't get that hug that you love from your from your good friend because maybe they've got a, a the virus, you know, and you're you you want to stay healthy. But if you if you practice, that's why daily, you know, just simple sit down for a few minutes and breathe. It's I don't care if you do it in your car. I don't really have an attachment to being in a perfect place with you know Durga behind you and the shaka <laughs> hanging and the which is fine. I mean, that's great, but you know, I'm often in my Subaru, my mom car, you know, <laughs> and my mocha latte is in the coffee holder. And I'm like, oh man, I didn't meditate this morning. Oh. And you know, so and I just Starbucks parking lot and get that meditation done. You know, I mean, it's not perfect. But I think that that's so important for people to hear, right? Coming from the practitioner, the teacher, right? This is what you do. And for you to give permission for it to be at a stoplight in the Starbucks parking lot, you know, with your favorite coffee or your scotch and your cigarette in the morning, whatever it is, um, you know, that, (laughs) that permission to make it work is also important because I think many of us don't do the meditation practice or, or don't start these routines because we don't think we have the ideal situation and climate. Um, yeah. which happens right for students in a dorm, right? Not, not all yeah. of our listeners are students, but you live in a dorm and you have a roommate and you're like, oh, I can never yeah. get time alone. Or I, I don't, it doesn't look beautiful in this corner. I don't have my altar and my favorite cushion, but right. Right. You know, we could make that happen anywhere. We, we are able when we close our eyes to be anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tammy. And I think, you know, to press that point, just one last 
one last obnoxiously long, short message is um, I, what I do is I, when I work with a patient or a client, a psych, psychotherapy client, I will give them my one minute breathing technique, one minute breathing technique. Mm-hmm. And it's inhale deeply, exhale completely. And I usually get through three rounds of that, three, three of those um, directions in one minute, right? For them. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's what they start with that. And I actually, I tell them because the pittas, you know, the pitta people with this fiery dominance, they like to like win it. So they want to like be the best breather ever, which is great. Yep. So, you know, you and I both are like, I've been there. Totally both like, we want to win Shavasana, you know, which is corpse pose. Like, you know. <laughs> I I definitely was in it to win it in the beginning, which again, which is when you fell, when you fell across my yoga mat, um, where things, where things started to train. So Catherine was one of my very first yoga teachers when I did my 200 hour, like almost 18 years ago, um, Catherine was part of that program. And so she was a local yoga instructor and they had her come in. You were doing power yoga for us. Yeah. And, and it was then, you know, our relationship there and things I was learning and then, um, our beautiful Sue and, and your relationship Mm -hmm. with Sue. And then the, the next training I did my 300 hours to add to that. And, it really, it started to unfold and, and that realization that I didn't have to win it. And I remember clear as day, Sue saying to me, you know, you're just go, go, go. I was there one day. You're, you're going to appreciate the Shavasana. You are going to sit still and it's going to feel comfortable. And I couldn't even wrap my brain around that. Of course not. Um, of course not. Yeah. If that's not your nature, it's not your nature. So when people want to do, you know, they want to start with 15 minutes of meditation, I, and this is, again, is my clinical practice. And even in my work with yoga teachers, when I'm teaching Ayurveda, I say uh, to them, listen, from direct experience, let me share with you an idea. You know, that might be great for you, but I would mm-hmm. rather you not do that. I'd rather you start with one minute of breathing and maybe go on Yoga International and listen to one of my you know, three, three to five minute meditations, guided meditations, not even really meditation. It's a guided deep relaxation, let's say. And let's start to tone your nervous system so that you will want to sit and meditate and not feel it's a chore you have to do and check off because it won't last if it becomes a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's be, I'd rather you say it a year of one minute breathing technique and five minute, three to five minute guided meditation. And then the 366th day, maybe you do a little bit longer breathing technique and a little bit longer meditation. So you get to about 15, 20 minutes of those techniques in the morning or in the evening or both. Mm. Um, but if you miss a day, you don't like go back to, to zero and have to start over again. Because remember, it's been a habit. So get back on your horse and ride. Right. I mean, that is what I'm hearing when you say that is like what we tend to do as Americans on on New Year's Day, right? Mm -hmm. We make every promise and resolution under the sun. And because they're too big and epic, we set ourselves up to fail. And so your idea is like those little bites, like set a small goal, just one thing. And, and it doesn't have to be just, you know, for the week, it can be stretching out a month or two until it is just natural in your body and then go and add the next little layer. And we're not good at being patient. Yeah, no, I'm really bad at it. So I know all the tricks. I know all the tricks to like, you know, second guess yourself and set yourself up for failure because I've failed so many times. Just, gosh, it's amazing. 
Um, and, and so, but I'm not so worried about failing anymore because I have failed so many times and look at me, you know, I can right. see John, I'm still standing. So, yeah. um, I won't do that. Done right. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. That's all I got to share, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to hear more on your podcast about how other people are using their practices, because I think, you know, share shamelessly. Mm. That's how we all thrive and grow. And uh, I'm glad to be part of the sharing. I appreciate you, you know, giving me this opportunity to share my, my work and my ideas, Tammy. And I look forward to hearing more about yours and your other guests. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for your time and your willingness. I have one question that I need to ask you that I've been asking everybody before we part. And I I know I'm keeping Catherine. She's got a thousand things and she probably has a client waiting on Zoom. Um, But, you know, I've been talking about this idea of being a friend to yourself. And I know, again, we talk about you being a giver. If I picked up the phone tomorrow and said, Catherine, this is what's happening, you would drop everything to help take care of me and to be a good friend in a way, not in a in a, a sugarcoating way, in a realistic way. And you would talk to me and, and I would hear, right? You would talk to me in a way and what I needed to hear. Are you good at being a friend to yourself? Or do you, are you like many of us with that self-doubt, that negativity, or can you, can you spin it and can you be a friend? And then, and then in that sense, what are you saying to yourself as a friend right now moving forward? Cause we still are living in this unknown. So mm-hmm. what advice do you have to yourself as a friend? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's uh, it's so timely for me, truthfully, because I've been working a lot with um, these concepts around codependency with my clinical work um, and my business changing, you know, and being able to let myself let go of some of these long, you know, decades long relationships with with groups I've worked with, um, and when they call and um, and want me to do some work. Uh, it, if it doesn't feel comfortable, I'm just being really honest and saying, you know, I, I just doesn't feel comfortable to me. I don't really want to show up on site at your, at your clinic and teach. I just don't feel safe. Um, mm. I'm not saying you shouldn't do your work. I think it's great you do your work, but I, I want to take good care of myself and I'm going to, I'm going to happy to join you through zoom or, or doxy or some encrypted software, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be putting myself at risk. And I, it's okay that I don't do that. I'm allowed right to take good care of myself. And matter of fact, by me taking good care of myself, I also think I'm role modeling to others and giving them permission to take good care of themselves. And, and those folks that really don't tolerate that response very well, who get angry or um, try to make it be an issue that it's not just, you know, something else that's some sort of projection of theirs. I just, you know, I just, hold them with love in my heart. I don't necessarily hold them with love in reality. <laughs> Maybe I hang up the phone, but I, but I try to hold them with love in my heart and my, and I don't mean this airy fairy. I mean, just, you know, I try to, to sort of sit myself down in my meditation and say, Hey, listen, you know, instead of being angry at this person or, or disappointed because they didn't accept what I was saying, I'm going to try to hold them with love in my heart and understand they're in their own suffering right now. Right. They're in their own suffering right now. And and their suffering doesn't allow them to validate that I get to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. so that's where it is right now. Nothing I can do about it. Nothing I need to do about it, except ex- understand with some compassion. Be, be compassionate to the fact that they're in their own suffering. And, and, you know, the compassion toward myself 
is not taking on their request because they may have, you know, great need because I, I can't take on every request right. that I'll get sick. Yeah. And I think, you know, we tend to want to say yes, 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 yes. So I love that you're saying you're at a place in this juncture where the advice you're giving yourself is it's okay to say no. Like saying no is really important. And again, you would say that to me if I called you and you're like, Tammy, you're doing too many things. Like just say no to something. Um, (laughs) Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that, I think from, and I'm going to be gender specific here. So don't get mad at me, anybody. But I think generationally, for people my in my generation, people in their forties, fifties, and beyond, you know, we were we were taught that in order to be valued, we had to do for others and forsake ourselves, and that was the wrong idea that was taught, and it's gotten a lot of us into hardship, and we've created it ourselves out of this wrong discernment. The term is pragna prada in Sanskrit, which is a um, a mistake of the intellect, pragna prada. Not the mm. bag that you carry with your fluffy dog. That's another kind of problem. This is pragna prada. <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but that happens. And so I'm, I'm offering myself a chance in this uh, exquisitely unbelievable time uh, of the quarantine to support myself, to take good care of myself and to value those who are taking care of themselves in ways maybe I don't understand uh, and try to send some loving kindness and some compassion, some meta energy to those who don't really want to hear what I have to say when I say no to their request or when I say uh, yes, but not that way, you know? Mm. Yeah. So lovely. Um, gosh, I mean, you're through your humor and your, your science, and then, you know, all of this really tangible information, just little things like just breathing, all of these things add up and become really big. So thank you for sharing all of these little insights and tidbits that, I mean, I guess that's what I want to keep coming back to you. It's not just because it feels good and you know, it feels good. Like really, this is science that we're talking about, you know, calming the nervous system does help. And there's many ways to do that. And it looks different for all of us, but I love all of the things that you have shared and hopefully the listeners have found something and, you know, all of your information will be um, on our page so they can look through and connect to you for social media and maybe take a course or a training or even just listen in on a meditation because I promise you, Catherine always delivers and she's one of the funniest humans that I know, which is what I love that you can be so completely serious and at the same time, make me laugh really hard. So yeah, thank you're a great you. audience, man. You got to get Tammy at your party. She always laughs. It's good. <laughs> All right, man. Catherine, you thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Once again, sending a big thank you for tuning in and listening to Living Well While Living Online. I hope you're enjoying these episodes as much as I am enjoying the conversation. Thank you to the behind the scenes crew of David DeRoche, executive producer, Michael Bachman, producer, and social media guru, Heather Popovics, and Scott Holmes, thank you for the theme music. You can learn more about our podcasts on qu.edu slash podcast and listen on the platform or app of your choice. 
And be sure to follow us on Twitter or Instagram at QUPodcasts. We're always happy to get an email at QUPodcasts at QU.edu. I'm really hoping you'll stop by next week and listen to my special guest, Coach Cassie Turner, who will certainly empower you to be your best self. Our conversation will motivate you to create balance and routine within your day to better focus on the task at hand. Cassie's such an incredible role model, not only to her team and family, but to all of us as well. So please be sure to tune in and join us next week. And until then, be intentional, take a deep breath, and learn to be your best friend.